Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a podcast brought to you by the Triad Network. This podcast is designed to share trending topics occurring within the world and our communities and bring them a behavioral and mental health perspective. Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a Triad production. I'm your host, Dr. Graham Taylor. With me today is Dr. Jeannie Stanley and Dr. Theo Burns. Jeannie is a licensed psychologist and is the founder and CEO of Watershed Counseling and Consultation. She also works as a national trainer and consultant. She's a published author and is a professor at the University of Pennsylvania's Graduate School of Education in their counseling program. Theo is a licensed psychologist and a professor in the graduate counseling program at the University of Southern California. He also maintains a private practice, is an author, trainer, speaker, and consultant. And he's a member on the California Association for Licensed Professional Clinical Counselors. Together, both Jeannie and Theo help in guiding students through the graduate school process from application to graduation. Jeannie, Theo, welcome to the show. It's so nice to have you here today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Hey, you know, I gave our listeners some information about you individually, but help us understand what brought you both together to do this graduate school counseling work in a shared way. Theo and I were fortunate enough to work together several years ago at the University of Pennsylvania Graduate School of Education. I used to direct the graduate program in counseling there, and then Theo took position after me. So we were, we were down ends of the hall and we're just always running back and forth trying to support students in any way possible. So he became an amazing colleague and a wonderful friend. So that kind of led to, hey, how can we help these students and graduate students come together? Thea, what was your thinking around that that kind of partnership here or shared shared experience together? I think one of the things that happened in our time together was that Dr. Stanley and I did a lot of work in admissions, and we did a lot of work with students who were at various stages of the process. And we would often work with some students who had done really amazing pieces of their process. And then we worked with other applicants where we ended up using our interview as almost some career coaching, depending on what was happening in the world. And I think as a result of that and many conversations after some of these interviews, we began to see some best practices and some real needs about the process of applying for graduate school and mental health services. I think that's maybe a nice segue here because I know that graduate school coaching, the work you guys do is designed to provide students, you know, with the support and the structure and some strategies that you really work to tailor specifically to their needs in this process. Theo, go back over what you're talking about here. What were some of the needs that you were both seeing in students, you know, considering graduate school that led you to kind of say, hey, we can maybe provide them with some guidance here and some help that maybe they don't know that they need? I think one of the biggest pieces that came up for both of us, and I'm sure Dr. Stanley will have some other thoughts as well, is that when students are applying, often students may not necessarily know exactly what they want or what they're looking for before they enter the process. And so folks may come, let's say, all the way up through an interview portion of their graduate school application process, not being really sure what they want and being distracted by language on websites or hearing certain things in programs and being able to regurgitate certain pieces, but not really knowing how to connect those pieces to who they are and what they want. So So I know for me, and I'm sure Dr. Stanley has had this experience as well, is having that moment where sitting with an applicant and saying, what exactly do you want to do with your life? Dr. Stanley, I don't know if that rings true for you. Absolutely. I mean, that's why I think we're fortunate to have a counseling background, both of us, especially in career counseling. So we, we want to take that time and help a student figure out what is best. And that 
I always say it's kind of like that board game life. Yeah. Where if you ever played it, you can go many different ways, but you kind of end up in a similar path at the end. But you want a student or an individual to think of the many different options they have. And I think one of the things we see the most, and Dr. Burns, like, we'd be in an interview and someone said, this is the way I was told to do it. My undergraduate advisor said I had to do this type of program. And we're always like, yeah, but what do you want? What is your end goal? Yeah, I think it's a very helpful piece. It, funny enough, you should say that, Jeannie, that I think back on, I went from psychology to social work, back to psychology, and I had a wonderful experience yeah. in my master's at training with social work. And I'm so glad I went that direction. And then I went to work with the state for about three and a half years in that field in social work. And it was probably one of the most enjoyable times of my life. However, the kind of work I wanted to do ultimately required you know, my doctorate in psychology. But I'd wish, as much as I enjoyed the social work degree, I wish I had a little more counseling, probably I should have, should have come to see you guys, the, around what was I thinking in the long term or where that best fit could be. Because I don't think oftentimes students, like you're saying, Theo, really know. Jeannie, I know that pursuing graduate school is a pretty significant undertaking for students. And a good number of students, like you both are saying, don't know what they don't know about the appropriateness necessarily of a graduate school for themselves. So walk us through where you start with those that are seeking your counsel and the areas of specialty that you both help kind of take them through to help navigate this process successfully for them. The first part is a lot of listening to, yeah. I always say this, I say, I run into you in seven or eight years in line at Starbucks. What are you doing? And nice. what do you mean? What am I doing? I'm like, what would you want to be doing in seven years? What would that look like? Tell me about your day-to-day -day experiences. And then they get excited. Mm. And for some of the first time, they're able to say what they want. Because I think a lot of people will hear, I want to go into this type of program, architecture, or nursing, or oh, but this is what you should do. As opposed to saying, well, what attracts you to that? Mm. What specifically do you think would feel fulfilled every day waking up and being like, I mean, Dr. Burns and I, we love our work. We actually get up excited to work. And so we, we hope that for other people as well. But first and foremost is, is being open to getting them to open about what they want. I really like that. Theo was talking about how sometimes as you go through these graduate school sites and they're really good, and, but you kind of get lost on some of these things. You really don't even know it sounds good and it looks good, but what does it actually mean? So you're talking both here starting out almost with what is your why? In life, Simon Sinek talks a lot about that. The what and the how falls into place once you get the why clear. But a lot of times when we're going through this process, students are looking outside of themselves to see what might be good rather than doing what you guys are encouraging. Let's start within first. Let's do the within work before we do the between work with me and my graduate school, possibly. So let's do that within work first. And then when I get clear about that, and then looking outside sounds like it's going to have a little bit more focused direction. Theo, jump on that for me, would you? Yeah, I think what, as Dr. Stanley was kind of talking, one of the things that came up for me was just also thinking a little bit, the metaphor that I often use with clients is a grocery list. Uh -huh. So when they're starting that process, what are the things on their list that they want in the next four to five years? And then really thinking a little bit about what parts of that list are non-negotiable, what parts of that list are flexible, and thinking a little bit about not only where graduate education falls in there, but also what parts of that list are specific to graduate education. So for example, 
I work with some students who say, based on who I am as a person and my sociocultural identities, a program that I would need to attend would need to be housed in a campus that had this type of student population or had these resources available to me. And we talk a little bit about, is that negotiable or not? Because if it's not, that's really important for you to know before you begin a process. We'll be right back after word from our sponsor. Behavioral and mental health professionals provide critical support to our communities in a time when our communities need it more than ever. But they need support too, to continue their education, to connect with colleagues, and to advance their career. And so we've launched Triad, the hub for behavioral and mental health professionals. At Triad, you'll find education, community, and career resources for both current and aspiring behavioral and mental health professionals all curated specifically for you, and all for free. Visit us at hellotriad.com slash BHT to register for your free professional account. Again, that's hellotriad.com slash BHT. Come join the community today. That's really good. So you're talking there about kind of the goodness of fit. Mm-hmm. But that goodness of fit gets determined by saying, well, help me understand kind of how you put together or what's going to work for you and what is, what is important and what is non-negotiable and what are some areas that might be kind of negotiable. I, I, would, I would imagine that as you're kind of going through this time, you're trying to assess, is, is graduate school even a right next step for you Absolutely. versus maybe something else you could do? And I would imagine you're looking at certain signs for when it could be a good option. And maybe it's sometimes when maybe graduate school is not a good option for you. Have you had those times when maybe it's not the best fit or good option next step? There are many ways to get to where you want to go. And certainly graduate school is not the only way. I think we have to remember graduate school in some ways is a business. So there's marketing involved and we want to be careful not to look at the shiny objects and be like, oh, I need that. Because you don't always need grad school. And several times we're working with new clients. It's like, have you thought about doing it this way? Because they'll say like, I don't like school, but I think this is what I need. I've been told, well, there are many ways to get there. And that also goes for when you get on somebody's website. Mm. I mean, Dr. Burns, I've seen amazing websites and we know the program behind it isn't necessarily as strong as we would hope it would be for a student or vice versa. But how often do students say, I have to go there. Did you see that website? Well, yeah, well, What's inside the box is really what, what is important more than the packaging. Sometimes those bells and whistles and things that are on, the, on those websites are pretty attractive. I got to admit, I was sharing with you guys before the show that my daughter's looking at a graduate school right now. And there's some pretty, I was kind of helping her navigate some of this like you guys do. And there are some pretty attractive sites out there. Mm-hmm. And they, they have all the, all the hooks and bells and whistles and not saying they're not good programs. But it's easy to kind of get caught up in the bling and the flash, isn't it? Yes. Mm -hmm. And our job is to help you get beyond the website too. What is a day-to-day experience for current students? Mm -hmm. That's another thing we see a lot. We'll see like, oh, yeah, I graduated from that program in 1992 and it was this. Well, that was centuries ago in in grad school land. You know, it's probably all new faculty. What is going on now and here and now is what we really want to hear from current students. Mm -hmm. And I encourage students all the time. To, to talk to people. And if a program doesn't have current students for you to talk to, well, that's a concern in and of itself. I like that idea. So let's kind of move through the process. So let's say that you're talking with a student, you kind of find out that the graduate school route is going to be the best thing for them. 
they have some past success with school. They can manage the rigor. Let's say they've got a good work ethic and they got the ability to balance some things in life. So you're thinking you've got some of the kind of prerequisites within yourself and you've got some of the right fit to go into a graduate school. So then how do you walk them through kind of the best search and the selection process of a school is going to be, again, that goodness of fit. What's the next step? And then the application process that might follow in that. I think the first thing that I like to really talk to students about is, is that if graduate school is in your future, let's talk about when in your future it's a good time. Because some folks will feel an immediacy because as we know from those websites, it's often apply ASAP. And so there's this internalized immediacy that comes from some of that. And what I really encourage us to think about is if we are going into a halftime or a full-time program, how much time do you need to make space in your life for that large responsibility? And so sometimes it's not, I'm going to apply for next fall, but maybe I'm going to apply for two falls from now, or maybe I'm going to start to make changes in my life to apply three falls from now. And then when we start to think about some of those programs, again, making a list of what are some of the research areas or the things that you're interested in and making sure that you're going to the literature and really maybe doing some searches at your undergraduate library and asking yourself, who are the scholars that are doing the research in the fields that I want to study? If there are areas that I'm really excited about, Who's doing that work? And so I often, the recommendation I make is, is block a couple hours, hang out at your library or do it online and just start to notice who are the people, who are the scholars that keep popping up in those engines and then doing Google searches to figure out where those folks are working and if they're taking on mentees. What I like that you're saying here is that you're, you know, you're, you're assessing the ability in their work ethic to manage some of the rigor that's kind of an inherent part of graduate school, but you're also kind of encouraging them to put some rigor into the research process here to really make sure this is going to be a good fit, to really find out some things and do some of that work early on and to have some skin in the game, not just be pointed towards a graduate program, but for them to have some skin in the game around, I've done the work, I see the people in it, like you're saying, Theo, that I really like what this program is putting out. And what you're also saying as well, Jeannie, is I've been able to talk to a couple of students and I see what they're doing. And if they're somewhat like me, I could really see myself doing what they're doing someday as well. And that's going to help me down the road. I know that, you know, going to graduate school has got some different steps to it. The application process, the personal statement, that's oftentimes kind of daunting. Strong letters of recommendation are necessary. Walk us through that initial process for the student to kind of get their name out there, get in front of an ideally an interview board. Talk about the application, personal statement, and the letters of recommendation that you guys really highlight to help them be an an attractive applicant. The first part is to be organized and to have, you really keep notes, keep columns, even Excel, keep Word, whatever you do it to where you're applying, because it gets pretty confusing when you start looking at programs. You're like, okay, which one had that focus in this? Or where was that professor? So right up front, you want to almost have those columns and I'll give to my clients like, here, here's a, here's a sheet to start with. You know? and, and knowing what you're coming in with. So what if you come in, you know, what else you have standardized testing? No problem. This is where you are. What if you're great at it and you have that? Or wonder if you have this deficit or this part that's really helpful. Knowing what you're bringing in to start with and not saying, well, I can't do it because. Absolutely not. If, you, if areas you're not strong, we're going to make other areas look stronger. 
But from day one, staying organized, keeping notes, because the application, if you just think, as you said, you know, looking at several programs, not just one or two, looking at several where you want to go, and then looking at what do I need standardized testing? Do I, I need letters of recommendation? Do I need a personal statement? All of these take time. And, you know, individual who thinks they're going to just on a weekend pop this out, the quality is probably not going to shine so well in front of a, a committee who's done this many, many, many times. And they're looking for people who are committed. Absolutely. Can I just ping off of that? I want to come back to you, Theo, and kind of have you kind of shade some of this in as well with your experience. But Jeannie, when you talk about the committees that are reviewing these, they, 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 they've seen hundreds of them, if not more than that over the years. What are some of the things that committees nowadays are looking for in students coming into graduate school programs that you found that you want to encourage and counsel the people that are working with you to make sure that they include or share and talk about more? So I think one thing that comes up often is a desire for students to demonstrate some basic understanding of the relationship to the healing profession. Mm-hmm. And that can be through some self-awareness about mm-hmm. what's attracted me to want to be a helping professional. And also being aware that the healing profession is more than just wanting to be somebody's friend, but that there are kind of multiple dynamics to that relationship Right. And that that kind of comes through in individuals writing, let's say in a personal statement, it may come through in a letter of recommendation through work experience. Mm-hmm. So that even if someone, let's say, has not had any experience in the helping profession, they have done some kind of self-reflection on what their relationship is to that profession and why they're interested and also what might be some of the challenges. I know that's something that I look for and that there there has been some premeditated thought about what it might be like to enter that field. That's really good. It kind of goes takes us back, doesn't it, that you guys start out by doing the within work first before they start doing the selection work. And what you're talking about here is that some of that, maybe that some of the within work that you helped kind of guide them through some of your questioning and kind of your interested kind of curiosity about them gets to come out in that personal statement in terms of there are multiple dynamics, you know, in the work that we do in graduate school and how our personal backgrounds and our own growth and our own self-awareness can actually come into that personal statement in a very healthy and helpful way. Jeannie, any other thoughts that I know you've been doing this for a while as well, things you kind of see coming into that personal statement? Well, even before that, in the personal statement, there's most programs are looking for people who did their homework. Yeah. It, it, I, it's, it's not the best metaphor, but it's kind of like online dating. You would go out on a date and if you if you came in and you didn't talk about yourself or you just assumed you knew who that person was and mm. I have no questions for you at all, it's, it's not going to work. We want to see people who put thought into of all these different programs and all these different fields, why X university, why Y university. And the other thing many programs look for across, whether it's an MBA, nursing, medical, psychology, all of these fine arts, they're looking for people who are authentic, who are there mm-hmm. for, they really want this, not because the grandfather said they should do this, or not because, hey, what else do I do? I'm a senior. I, I like school. It's fun. Right. I'm to keep it up. Right. It's a very expensive. It's a lot of investment of time and money to kind of do this willy-nilly. So we want, authentically, you want this. Yeah. I like that piece. I think that's what I'm 
envisioning you folks doing in your council work with them to make sure that they're doing all of that work so that comes across to those application committees and interviewers that are going to be seeing these folks. I know in a number of the programs, they also request letters of recommendation. How do you encourage folks to decide who's going to be my best recommender, the, 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 the someone who knows me in a way that they can convey who I am so that the school can also get a sense of who I am? How do you help them decide that? This is my 10 o'clock client this morning. And I, I, grad school coaching is more coaching than therapy. I think that's an important distinction. It's, it's a lot of helping the person figure out what they want, but then sure. and also listening to what, you know, keeping them on track, keeping it going. And the discussion this morning was, you know, she had three people in mind, but two of them were the, pretty much the same person. And had, they only had her as a, a sophomore and she'd mm-hmm. grown so much. I'm like, who are the people now? Who are the people that challenge you? Who have seen you grow? She's like, well, I only got a B plus in that course. I said, that doesn't matter. Did they, would they be able to say, yes, this person grew in their writing, in their, their analytical skills? Absolutely. That's who you want. And I can't see the importance of asking the person, Dr. Burns, can you write me a letter? But Dr. Burns, can you write me a strong letter recommendation? Mm. A letter versus mm. a strong letter in night and day. <laughs> and some people are too nice and be like, yeah, I'll write the letter. And we'll get these kind of, mediocre letters back. And I think that's more danger or damage than a letter that says here where their strengths, here's where they still need growth. I like that. You know, that goes back to what you guys were saying. The interviewers want people to be authentic. They don't have to come in as ready-made professionals already. Why, Why would they be coming into a program? Professors, you know, interviewers, all these things are, they, they, they want to say, Hey, is this, is this person coming in in a way that they're going to be malleable, that they're going to be interested, they're going to be engaged, they're going to be committed, and we want to help them be shaped in the field that we're going to be teaching them. So they don't have to be ready-made already. We want to help them, but they have to have some of the qualities and characteristics that are going to make them good graduate students. And I love this idea of saying, who has watched you grow? And who might also in a letter of recommendation say, hey, this is what this person's potential is, and here's where they need to grow. It's not that they're already there yet. And to be honest and authentic in that way, that can be really helpful, can't it? Absolutely. I mean, you don't go to grad school because you know it. You go right. because you want to learn. Right. And that's one of the, you know, we kind of have to help clients dial into that pretty early on. Yeah. No, you, you, do. <laughs> you want to make it clear what areas you want, but that you're open to learning. Yeah. And it, if an individual is a closed system, admissions committees pick that up pretty quickly. And that's not very attractive to them. Hello, folks. Pardon the interruption, but we will continue this discussion on our next show. I want to thank our guests, Dr. Jeannie Stanley and Dr. Theo Burns, for coming on our show today. For more information on Jeannie Stanley and Watershed Services, please visit www.watershedservices.biz. For more information on Theo Burns, please visit theoburnsphd.com. And lastly, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in today, and we'll look forward to seeing you next time on Behavioral Health Today. We appreciate all the support from our community, and if you like our show, one of the best ways you can support it is by giving us a five-star rating and leaving a review. Behavioral Health Today is a podcast part of the Tribe Network, all rights reserved.